Welcome to the Wild and Well-Fed podcast, where we discuss women's health beyond nutrition. Get ready for practical, sustainable, real-life health topics that will help bring you closer to nature and your feminine roots. This is your host, Laura Lyons, and I'm here with my co-host, Annika Nicole. Let's get wildly nourished. The Wild and Well-Fed podcast is not medical advice, diagnosis, or prescription. No information in this podcast should be considered as medical advice or treated as such. Please consult your doctor before implementing any nutritional, supplemental, or lifestyle changes. Welcome back to the Wild and Well-Fed podcast. This is the last episode of season three, where we will be answering listener questions. Some of the questions we have are about moving home with your parents, struggling with consistency, drinking plain water, and meal planning. So, Annika, do you want to just read off the questions and then we'll we'll answer them? Yeah, perfect. So our first question was from someone who wanted to remain anonymous. She said, this question is for Annika. It sounds like you have a great relationship with your family, but I'm wondering what it's been like for you living with your parents. Has living with them helped you through childhood traumas, resentments, and emotions or exacerbated them? I'm thinking about moving back home, but I'm worried about my mental health having my parents as roommates. Um, Well, okay. First of all, just a quick background for those who don't know, I have been living back home with my parents since June of 2021, which is so crazy to think about. That's almost been three years. Um, so obviously I moved home out of necessity. And if you're not aware of why, it's because I left my husband at the time and then we ended up uh, getting a divorce. So it was definitely out of necessity but I was so blessed to have my parents and my family who was willing to let me move back in because having that support system for me was crucial. So to answer the question, I truly do think it takes the right parents to move back in with, which is a decision that each person will have to completely evaluate on their own um, because you know your parents and your family and the relationship that you have with them. I am extremely blessed to be able to say that I really do have overall a phenomenal relationship with my parents. But of course, as someone that's 26 when I moved back in and almost 29, it obviously still hasn't been fully easy. Um, There's always going to be things that come up. And as far as your question regarding trauma, it's hard to say for sure. I'd say there's been both. I think I definitely have a lot more of an understanding of why my parents are the way they are um, because through my own journey and learning more about like childhood trauma and things like that, I think I've just been able to be more sympathetic with some of the things that I've experienced with them. But then to your point, a lot of it has kind of been highlighted too at the same time (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it can be really hard to be around. So Again, it totally just depends and really depends on if the money you're going to save, assuming that you're living there rent-free, is worth it. So for me, I personally don't pay rent, but I 
more than cover that with the weight that I pull around my house for my family. So I do almost all of the grocery shopping. I arrange all of like our raw milk and meat pickups and usually do those myself. I do farm orders. I do all the cooking, all the laundry, and a lot of the cleaning. So it is a ton of work, but it has allowed me to save a lot of money, which is really nice. Um, So I do love being able to help and support them because they've done a lot for me, but it's not always easy. So really, I guess the biggest thing is just to make sure you're okay with not having a lot of your own space. And if that's worth uh, saving the money and being in, you know, tighter space and having your parents around all the time. So yeah, so hard to say. It's been really great for me though. I just don't know if I could say it's for everyone. So it's just truly a decision that you're going to have to evaluate on your own. But I hope what I shared was helpful. And I don't know if you have anything on this. No, not really. I mean, time flies. I Three years. Like, that's crazy. It's literally <laughs> blowing my mind. Like, I can't even wrap yeah. my mind around it, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like the biggest mental health hurdle has just been being in that limbo. Like in, mm-hmm. in th- that stage of your life where you're just kind of in this limbo of like wanting your own space. So, you know, that For I sure. feel like that probably weighs on you more than the fact of like living with your parents, right? Just more so oh, like the limbo that you're in yes. currently. No, and that is a really good point to bring up. And of course, we're at like this historical time with the housing market too, right? So mm-hmm. like housing costs are through the roof, especially where I live in Colorado. And I know other places are like that too, but interest rates are high. And there's just so much back and forth of like what you said, really wanting my own space. Oh my goodness. I want my own space so bad Mm -hmm. because right now my bedroom is my storage room is my office. I literally have a folding table and folding chair with a pillow on it. That is my desk. (laughs) And, you know, all my cat stuff is in here. Every single item I own is in this room. So it's definitely can feel like kind of cramped. Again, that's totally a first world problem because people have it so much worse. But yeah, really wanting my own space and just wanting to feel like I have my own thing going on is what I want the most. But then if you look at my other options right now, they're not great. And I'm sure pretty much everyone can relate to that just due to the state of the market. So it is really hard just constantly being waiting, like you said, and trying to analyze like what the best move is. I agree with you. That has been, that's been really tough. Yeah. The good thing is too, is you, you weren't away from your parents for a super long period of time. Like you kind of, you were only gone for what, a couple years during your marriage? Oh, yeah, not even that. I moved back in senior year of college and only lived with my ex for um, nine months, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't yeah. even that long. So crazy as it sounds, I mean, I've been living with them most of my adult life. So it was no crazy adjustment. Whereas like you have been, obviously you're older, but you've been out of your parents' house since you were 18 years old. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So you going back 10 years later would be completely different than really having never 
totally yeah and i think that's something to consider too for people is like you know like for me i've been married you know and with my husband for 12 years i have been out of the house for what how long 20 years now if i was to move back with my parents and not have my own space that might be really tough on me and my mental health as opposed to you where you were kind of there all along except for like a year you know yep yeah it's really true and Again, so much has to fall into place, I think, for it to be the right decision. Because for some people, I truly do believe it would be better for them and their mental health to pay rent money or to purchase something and maybe be stretched a little bit than to move back in with family that is really toxic. So totally. So situationally dependent and what you're, you know, where you live will have a lot to do with it with how much rent costs. And I mean, there's just so many factors. Yeah, totally. Totally. But great question. Okay. Next question is also anonymous. It says, I'm about a year and a half into my health journey and I'm still struggling with staying consistent with the foundations. Did you ever have days on your health journey where you felt overwhelmed and wanted to give up? And how did you get past those ruts? I will stay on track and be motivated for a while, not putting too much pressure on myself, but also trying to stay accountable, but then have days where I just don't feel like putting in the effort. On those days, I don't feel motivated to properly nourish myself, cook, and eat balanced meals, even though it makes my blood sugar go all over the place and I'll get a headache if I don't get enough calories in. I have a long history of undereating, so I try to be gentle with myself. Mm. So it sounds like you're being a little bit hard on yourself, maybe. Um, Just because when I think of the foundations, I do think of them as just being a way of living. And of course, it can take a while to adjust to these foundations, right? Getting to bed on time, (laughs) morning and night routines, eating carb protein fat at every single meal, you know, eating every three to four hours, that type of a thing, eating enough. Um, Of course, it's an adjustment, um, but they are habits that you should just take with you throughout the rest of your life. And it should just be a lifestyle as opposed to something that you're falling off the wagon and then coming back on. It shouldn't really be like that. So I'm wondering if maybe you're just being really hard on yourself and maybe you're you're setting kind of strict rules around eating when you don't necessarily need to. Yeah, I I kind of had the same thoughts when I was reading this question is um I would say I would I would just start by saying like what what are your stress levels because In theory, it shouldn't be hard to support your body and follow the foundations, especially after a long period of time. Like you said, it just becomes like a habit or a Mm -hmm. lifestyle. So if this is feeling really overwhelming, I would take a look at your life. So what is so overwhelming about your life that it's taking up all the energy you would have to implement these habits or routines? And what is making it difficult to incorporate them? Because really nourishing shouldn't be a form of stress. So um, yeah, it's just like, are you trying to incorporate too much? Are you being too harsh? Like Laura said, it's hard to pinpoint because eventually our hope is that everyone gets to a point where it just it's just so natural that you don't even think about it. So um, I also think, you know, this is something that we've said before, and I'm sure you'll have something to chime in on this, but also... Remember, if you give up, what does that mean? Like, are you going to go back to the standard American diet? Are you going to go back to 
paleo? Are you going to go back to keto, low carb? I mean, all of those sound harder to me than just continuing to stay the course. So I just truly want to understand like when someone says that they are struggling or, you know, want to give up, I just don't know where, like, where do you go? What does that mean? I guess. Yeah. And it sounds to me like the biggest struggle is really just the blood sugar. So just eating balanced meals, you know, eating often enough and cooking sounds like the biggest, the biggest issues. So um, if the really nailing down, what are the things that you can do and focusing on those things and then just adding in things incrementally with, and maybe attach them, kind of do like habit stacking, right? So attach them with something else that you're already doing. So, um, you know, maybe add in workouts while you're doing your, while you're creating your morning routine, add in a daily workout with that, or maybe do some meal prepping in the morning, um, when you're creating like a morning workout routine, that type of a thing. So I think, I think it has a lot to do with just creating habits and focusing on the things that you can do and then add in extra, extra things. But kind of like we were saying, the foundations should just be lifestyle habits. Um, they shouldn't necessarily be a very like very overwhelming or hard. I'm kind of wondering like, who are you surrounding yourself with? What does your job look like? What does your day to day look like that makes it hard for you to want to cook or want to uh, meal prep or meal plan or have balanced meals? Um, because yeah, a lot of this is just self care, right? These are just things like you you said that you don't feel good if you don't have a balanced meal. So um, you know knowing that that should be something that you're really focusing on and you know you have to meal prep and you have to meal plan just so that you know that you're eating enough and you're that you're getting all the meals in that you need to get in. Very well said. I agree. Cool. Okay. Next question from Cassidy. She said, I'm a new listener to your podcast and love it. I've heard you say that you never drink plain water, always adding salt or something. What do you recommend using as a mineral supplement. I've heard a lot of people talk about LMNT, Ravy, I think, um, et cetera. Do you use those or something else? Yeah. So the reason why we don't like plain water is because your body needs sodium and minerals to actually absorb the water that you're drinking. So a lot of people are just downing plain, you know, distilled water and they're just peeing out their water all day long. They're not actually absorbing it in you know, utilizing it. Um, so for me, I personally am just a big fan of salt in my waters. I don't love mineral. She called them mineral additives. I don't love like electrolyte blends, mineral additives, any of that sort, because I have no idea what your minerals look like. <laughs> Not a clue. <laughs> so I can't recommend that you take some mineral supplement without actually really knowing um, what's going on. If I think the problem that we run into is people are drinking like LMNT and these electrolyte blends because they have these natural flavors in them. They taste really good. So people are downing those and we don't actually know if that's benefiting you or not based off of your individual like mineral needs. Yes. And I think you said people are drawn to these drinks like LMNT because they're flavored, but all of those have like stevia and citric acid and monk fruit and things like that, which, I mean, we're not completely against it and, you know, yeah. never, ever drink it, but drinking those every day. Yeah. Um, also, 
I think the term that is always used is people are like, I need to get my electrolytes in, which is a marketing. That's a line yeah. that has come from some sort of a marketing <laughs> campaign. So if you're looking at what has electrolytes, I mean, those are just minerals, right? So making sure your min- your diet is mineral rich, that you're drinking mineral rich beverages like coconut water, mm-hmm. uh, orange juice, like you said, adding salt to your waters, having some teas, just different things that are mineral rich. Yeah. Electrolytes, truly, I feel like that is just a total marketing term. Like I bet you could ask a lot of people that are drinking those drinks and saying like, oh, what is that? And they'd say, oh, an electrolyte drink. And then you'd be like, okay, what are electrolytes? And I bet a lot of people couldn't tell you what they are. So it's really just become kind of like a gimmicky marketing thing. So really you can get what you need from your diet and adding the right things to your water. Yeah. And I feel like people do get a little bit addicted to things like LMNT where they're drinking them every single day. And I don't necessarily think that's benefiting you. If you want to have some when you're out hiking or like on like a bike ride or something like that, it's one thing. But people are drinking like, you know, two, three packets of those a day. And that's not going to benefit your your mineral balance by any means. So um, yeah, even Annika had mentioned juices. So um, if I don't want to add the salt to my water, sometimes I'll add some like fruit juice to my water, um, get a little bit of flavor in there. And just so that I'm not drinking that plain water, that plain water can also really affect your digestive system too. Yep. True. Okay. Only one more question today we have from Carol. She said, hi, Laura and Annika. I'm really struggling with creating a meal plan for myself and figuring out what to eat during the day to keep my blood sugar balanced and energy up. Could you tell us what you eat in a day or how you meal prep and plan? Yeah. So I think um, just kind of going over like what a blood sugar balancing like diet uh, looks like. Um, We usually recommend always eating within 30 minutes of waking up. So have a nice big breakfast 30 minutes within waking up. Or if you wanted to, you could have a snack and then like an hour later have your big breakfast. But either way, eating (laughs) right when you wake up, not waiting two, three hours to eat. Always have coffee after a meal as well. Um, And then eating every three to four hours is going to be the most beneficial, especially if you're dealing with blood sugar issues. Um, That's probably going to be the best place to start eating every three to four hours, always making sure that you're combining carb, protein, and fat at every single meal as well. So that's, those are just like general guidelines. Um, But for me personally, um, things change. I do feel like different seasons of life will will change um, your frequency of eating. Um, I tend to plan out all of my meals and snacks on Thursday night. That's just the night that I choose. And then I go grocery shopping on Friday. And I eat a lot of the same things. I just keep it really simple. I really don't get bored with foods. I can eat the same things every single day and it doesn't bother me. Um, I do think there is, you know, we do need diversity of food. So I do diversify every week. But when I plan out my week, I'm eating the exact same lunch that week. I'm eating the exact same breakfast that week just to make it really, really easy. Um, And then it's really up to you whether you want to 
meal prep. So do you want to actually make like your lunches ahead of time and then just like take them out and warm them up? Or do you like to have fresh lunches and maybe just like set it, know what ingredients you're going to be having for lunch um, and then prep them that day? So I also, and this is again, this is, this has changed. This is just right now. I feel at different phases of my life, this has been different, but um, my largest meals are typically breakfast and lunch. And then dinner is my lighter meal. And that's just working for me right now. Can't say that worked for me in the past, just kind of depends on where, where your body is at. Um, but yeah, I also during the day try to diversify my protein sources. Um, a lot of us go straight to like having just like red meat all day long or um, just having all chicken, right? We always see that all the time. People just eating chicken for every single meal. We really need to diversify. So I do try to get in um, all different types. So I'll get in fish, red meat. I'll do, I'll, I'll use like collagen and then gelatins. Um, I'll do, um, pork, I'll do all different types of, of protein sources just to diversify those. Yeah, that's a great point. And dairy too can be really helpful oh, yeah. to add yeah. in there as well, like lower fat dairy too to increase protein. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think you covered it really well. And if you're interested in more of this kind of information, definitely join our membership because we post um, – like what we eat in a day is pretty frequently in there so that people can get an idea of what it looks like to eat how we recommend and get the macro ratio that we recommend eating. Because um, especially if you're new to this way of eating, it can seem really overwhelming to get that much protein in and try to keep your fat at a reasonable amount. So we have all of those resources and so much more. We also have a meal tracking and calorie tracking workshop. We obviously don't recommend meticulously tracking your calories all the time, but it can be a really helpful tool when you're first getting adjusted to eating this way. So we have a ton of resources for this in the membership that I think would be really beneficial as well as recipes that we recommend. Um, so yeah, join the membership. Simple is key. Um, I mean, what you, you, a lot of the times will just have like sardines with like pickles. Oh yeah. I'm literally about to go eat that. It's <laughs> so easy and such a good way to get protein in. And yeah. yeah, I'm not, I don't change things up like crazy, but I do diversify like you said. Yeah, no, it's so easy. I mean, I just had my lunch just now and I just had a cup of rice and um, some ground turkey and some like avocado and salsa. Done. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, you'll eat that a lot. I try to yep. eat sardines like every other day. And then on the other days, I'll do something else and change things up for dinner, have bone broth, have cottage cheese, yeah. just a variety, um, but kind of the same same things. So it's not crazy complicated or overwhelming. Yeah. And what I like to do is just focus on nutrient density. So um, a lot of like the functional foods that we talk about, like the bone broths and um, having like a raw carrot, things like that. I try to incorporate that in my meal planning on Thursday yes. night before I go to the grocery store so I can make sure that every day I am getting in some of these really good mm -hmm. functional foods and nourishing foods. Yeah, really good point. Especially at the beginning, it's so helpful to be intentional about getting those things in or mm -hmm. else it can 
they can kind of just slip through the cracks. Breakfast. Breakfast is a great time to really just like make the most nutrient dense <laughs> functional <So true>. food <laughs> meal. It is it is definitely the the best time to do it too because you you already are like loading up on it. So the rest of your day if it falls through the cracks, at least your breakfast was solid, right? That's a great point. Yes. And we've both noticed that we feel really good when we have a big breakfast. Mhm. Yeah. Game changer. Game changer. Truly. Yeah. All right. So that was our last question. We're going to wrap it up there. We'll be back in season four. where We will be discussing relationships and their impact on your health and healing journey. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Wild and Well-Fed podcast. On the last episode of each season, we'll answer listener questions. If you have a question for us, please email it to us at wildwellfed at gmail.com for a chance to have your questions answered. If you like this episode, please don't forget to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you again next time.